1: hey what is up everybody welcome inside the guilty is charged podcast my name is steven i am your host as always this is the more you know jaguars edition and joining me today is mr jordan delugo who is a writer contributor for generation jaguars as well as the co-host of believe in podcast or believe in jaguars podcast excuse me uh jordan thanks for taking the time to join me man how are you doing today
2: I'm doing very well. Obviously coming off a big victory. Jacksonville's pretty fired up about it. Um it's been a good week. Uh no no injuries on the on the injury report for the Jaguars. It's been pretty wild around here. So yeah, excited to talk Jags Chargers and excited to be on here. It's a br- great podcast, great production that y'all have going on here.
1: Appreciate the kind words for sure. I uh you know, people who listen to this show uh, have come to expect a certain format when it comes to this specific segment, but we're mixing it up. I went to the University of Utah. I love Devin Lloyd. He's one of my favorite players of all time. It's only right that I start by asking you about him as opposed to the coaching staff, which we'll get to, or the quarterback, which we'll get to. Uh, so Devin Lloyd, man, leading the uh, rookie class in tackles. He's got an interception. Uh, how's the Jaguar or how's uh, Duval country feeling about Mr. Devin Lloyd so far this year?
2: So it's kind of crazy. Um, You might be the only person I know that's a bigger Devin Lloyd fan than myself. I cover (laughs) the draft as well.
1: There we go. And,
2: you know, he was my number 12 overall prospect in this year's class. That's, you know, um, weighing in the fact that he's an off ball linebacker, a devalued position. Mm -hmm. And uh, he was my number one overall off ball linebacker. I was just sitting there waiting, like, I didn't think the Jaguars were going to make a move for him, but he's not someone that should have fallen to 27 overall. I kept waiting. Like when is a team going to pull the trigger and either take him or trade up to get him? The Jaguars ended up being that team fired up to have him in Jacksonville, not only as a player, but a leader, a good person off the field. Um, and he's been everything and and more that the Jaguars expected from him. Of course, he missed about a month of training camp, three, three weeks to, to four weeks of training camp with a hamstring injury. So got off to a little bit of a slow start in that regard, only played about 20 snaps in the preseason, um, and then was a little slow in, in the opener against the Commanders in week one to start that game. But he kind of kept at it and got his sea legs, if you will, and, and now he's playing at an extremely high level as you mentioned, got an interception to to uh, kind of help seal that game. I don't think there was any doubt of the outcome when he did get that interception. But um, two other past breakups where he got his hands on the football, one of them probably should have been an interception. Like you said, he's been great in run defense. Uh, his range and his length, really impressive, and his, his click and close ability to diagnose and just fire to the football. So, yes. Very impressed with Devin Lloyd so far. Uh, I think that he and Trayvon Walker, their first round picks this year they've they've been everything you could want and more so far for the Jaguars.
1: I, I love to hear that. I'm gonna clip this out and uh, you know send that to some of my uh, Utah friends as well. It's gonna be a a, a good day for everybody. And I, I never understood like I, I get the linebacker situation in terms of like the the devaluing position and, and the draft and things like that. I, when I was watching him just kind of sit there and sit there, I was getting a little nervous, man. I'm like, this is, this is absolutely a top 10 player in this class for me. Um, he's top 12 for you. So, um, sounds like he landed in a really good spot and we'll talk about some of the defensive things in a second here, but, uh, very, very happy to hear those things. So, um, of course the, the, <laughs> if I was not a Utah person, we we probably would have started this, uh, segment off talking about Doug Peterson, um, and just kind of the the way that he is running this ship, it sounds like it's uh, all positive vibes so far under Peterson's tenure, of course, really, you know, a few short weeks into this thing, I, I guess months if you want to go all the way back to him after he was hired. Um, what's kind of the the biggest change you've seen from a culture standpoint, from a schematic standpoint, and I, I certainly don't want to bring up a ton of the older Meyer stuff, but right. Um, what's it been like around Doug Peterson's tenure so far?
2: Yeah. So obviously you have to compare it to what was going on here before. And what was going on here before was just complete organizational failure starts with the head coach, obviously trickles its way down. Um, it was, it was ugly. Now you've got an adult in the room as everyone likes to keep talking about. Right. (laughs) Um, but it's not just the fact that Doug Peterson is a respectable, leader of an organization, like a good guy, somebody who's going to show up to work and put the work in and, and grind and all that. He is an excellent play caller, an excellent leader, an excellent um, mentor for Trevor Lawrence. This is a guy that's come in and he's changed the culture by, by leading by example Um, he, he knows when to push players because he is a former player and he knows when to pull back a little bit. He knows how to lead to get people bought in and his obvious resume as a head coach in the NFL was a big draw for a lot of the players on the team. They immediately bought into what he's trying to teach them because of, because of his background and because of how he approaches things. You combine that, like I said, with the play calling on offense, and it's just a complete reset here. It's been the biggest 180, the quickest 180 that i've ever seen in in jacksonville in my time covering the team.
1: Yeah, you know, as just a, a casual fan of football, man, i i love good quarterback play and i be- i believed in Trevor Lawrence's ability to come into the NFL and be a, a legitimate franchise guy. And so hearing about everything that uh, you know, he had to deal with right away as a rookie um, was obviously a, a frustrating experience as a, as a casual fan. Again, I'm, you guys lived through that. I'm, I'm sure it was more frustrating for you. Um, but when they hired Doug Peterson, man, I was excited. I was fired up because I, I believe in what Doug Peterson is able to do as an offensive mind. And um, I'm curious to get your thoughts here because, it, you know, he brings in Press Taylor with him, who was obviously with him in Philadelphia. There's Jim Bob Cooter. There's Mike McCoy. How has this offense kind of formulated around Trevor, to maybe be different than what he was uh, running in Philadelphia?
2: That's a great question. So um, it's a lot of the same stuff, right? But there's different pieces here. And I think when Doug Peterson, along with Trent Baalke, the general manager, when they were bringing in pieces this offseason, because a lot of this offense is new pieces, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when they are looking at bringing in these pieces, I think they had a plan for how they could use each individual player in this offense, and they've been using them um in ways that they thought would work with with what doug peterson wanted to do with trevor lawrence's skill set with the rest of the pieces around i think the biggest example of that is obviously what they've done with christian kirk the ability to move him all around the formation create mismatches and get him in into advantageous situations where he's on you know being covered by players that have no business covering him so uh between that and just um and and the zone rushing attack, which I really enjoy watching, enjoy Brandon Sheriff, of course, in that role. Uh, it's it's been a joy to watch, and I think it's going to be something where it's not going to be the same offense every single week. They're going to adjust yeah. to what the defense that they're going against has shown on tape, and and adjust in game as well to what's going on.
1: Yeah, obviously, uh, Chargers fans very familiar with Gus Bradley and what that defense is like, and. Uh, so it's going to be a very interesting schematic battle on Sunday as you go from uh, watching film of the Jaguars' offense against Gus uh, these cover three defense to playing the Brandon Staley defense, which is, is very different than what uh, is happening in Indianapolis. So uh, you mentioned the offensive line. Uh, big fan of offensive line play in general here. Um, you mentioned Brandon Sheriff. You mentioned um, just being able to protect Trevor Lawrence. Is this a unit that you feel really comfortable about heading into the rest of this season? Is there a particular weak point that you are concerned about? Um, What's your evaluation of the way that that unit has played so far for Jacksonville?
2: Yeah, so just looking at what they've done on the field in the first two games, uh, week one, they come out against the commanders. It's a defense that's trying to attack you a little bit more, trying to create pressure. And they gashed them in the run game every time pretty much that they handed the football off um there was a little bit of an issue um from center to left tackle you look at luke fortner starting in his first game ben bart starting in his first game at left guard and then cam robinson at left tackle they were going up against though jonathan allen Mm -hmm. deron Payne, montez sweat and it was a difficult matchup for them they had a hard time but still the offense looked functional looked like it could be effective there was a couple execution things where there was plays wide open and for whatever reason whether it was trevor missing a guy or someone dropping a pass, or an offensive lineman not picking up a block, or a penalty, whatever it may be, where it just held the offense back a little bit in that game, Like they probably should have dropped 20 points in the first half against the Commanders, and they ended up only having three. Hmm. Then you get to week two against that Gus Bradley Colts defense, like you mentioned, which is very fundamentally sound. You know what you're getting against that defense. Yeah. You have to execute, and you have to not get greedy against that defense. The Jaguars didn't, but uh, from a pass protection standpoint, they got the job done against Yannick Ngakwe, against Pay. They shut those guys down. DeForest Buckner did not have a very big impact on this game either. So uh, I think it's going to be a little bit based on what they're going up against on a weekly basis, not only from a personnel standpoint, but schematically um, in terms of how they play early on. I do think they're moving in the right direction offensive line wise. Uh, I think you've seen really good performances um, from the run game and from the passing game so far. So I think you're encouraged by the fact that you have seen high moments from them, good moments from them flashes. You do have Doug Peterson, who we know what he's done with offensive lines in the past. And then you have Phil Rouscher as your offensive line coach who. Uh, he just brings a ton of energy. He's a great teacher. I think you like what you've seen so far.
1: Yeah. <clears throat> at least on paper, it looks it looks pretty good uh, in comparison to years past. Um, we'll shift gears I will to say. T- I will say. Ahead.
2: Luke Fortner at center, um, the rookie, up and down so far. You've had incredibly high-level moments and some really bad ones. Uh, again, though, playing against... Jonathan Allen, Duran Payne, DeForest Buckner, and Grover Stewart. Not really the type of (laughs) matchup you want for a rookie, right? Um, But we'll see. I think he's a guy that I liked in the draft a lot too. But definitely some ups and downs there that Chargers fans could be looking for on Sunday.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I know there was a a certain part of the Chargers fandom that also really liked Ben Barched uh, coming out of his draft class. So uh, some familiarity there, at least in terms of the fan perspective. Um, all right. Well, shift gears and talk about this defensive front because obviously there's a ton of new pieces. Basically, um, you know, you're talking about I believe at least four new starters. Both of the linebackers, obviously Devin Lloyd and um, Foyasade Aluakon. I think I, I think that's how yeah. you say that. Um, Fatakasi. All right. Foyasade in the middle, and then mm-hmm. obviously uh, Trayvon Walker. So um, it sounds like there's a lot of good vibes around this defensive front, making things very difficult, of, of course, to. Uh, Jonathan Taylor in uh, this past Sunday and then of course the the commanders rushing attack in the first game what are you seeing from the way this front seven is kind of attacking opposing rushing attacks so far
2: yeah when they've been keying in on the run they've been incredible up front and uh, in both games like you said they shut down their opponent's rushing attack they're doing a great job being gap and assignment sound you know when you look at the edge, looking at it from the outside end, the edge players, Trevon Walker, Josh Allen, both really physically gifted, both really committed to stopping the run. I think they've been big factors there. Uh, Foley Fatou Kassi, he is one of the strongest players I've seen in a while on this Jacksonville defensive line. Just his strength alone is, is kind of remarkable at times. You just see him kind of tossing players around. Um, and then – uh, you've also got Devon Hamilton going into his third year as a mm-hmm. pro who he is not as talked about because, you know, he was a former third round pick, not a really high value draft pick, not a highly priced free agent, not a first round pick, but he's playing really good football up front as well against the run. And of course, Foya Luke and led the league in tackles last year. He's a stop machine. Devin Lloyd, really good against the run. Uh, your corners, Tyson Campbell and Shaq Griffin, they're willing to get their nose dirty. Darius Williams is coming along after uh, in the slot after not really playing at all in the preseason. So I think the run defense, I mean, goodness, it's legit. It is legit.
1: I was looking at, uh, I think it was Hayden Weeks was uh, posting this. Obviously, it's more for uh, fantasy purposes, but um, the Chargers do not have a favorable matchup this week uh, on the ground, and of course, some of that is their their own doing, but uh, we'll, 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 I'm sure we'll uh, dive in that on our show down the yeah, road. where's the beef? Yeah, where's the beef? Uh, I mean, it, they miss. They do not have a quality blocking tight end. That's been their main problem right now. Is that they're just getting uh, beat up on the edges because they don't have a tight end who can uh, hold the front or backside like they used to. Donald Parham was that guy for them last year, um, but he's currently injured, has not played in like more practice in like two months.
2: I think he practiced today. They said so. We'll see. Yeah, about that.
1: yeah. I think he was back in individual practices today. So yeah, they need him back. And Corey Lindsley did not practice, which is another problem. So especially going up against Fully Fatukasi, should be fun. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, we'll talk about the secondary here. And then I want to get some of your general thoughts on, on the season, of course, and then uh, this individual matchup. Um, you mentioned the corners. Of course, you have Rayshon Jenkins, who the Chargers uh, fan base is very familiar with. Um, how is this coverage scheme coming together? Is Because I'm curious here because... Obviously, uh, Mike Caldwell comes from the Tampa Bay side of things where they play a lot of man coverage. How is this secondary kind of holding up so far?
2: Yeah, so interesting. Week one, it was okay. But then you had these breakdowns where you had a super long uh, pass to Terry McLaurin late in the game. You had a super long pass to Jahan Dotson. That one was just, you know, the Jaguars sent seven. And it's one-on-one with Tyson Campbell. Jahan Dotson makes the play over Tyson Campbell, who's in good position. Um, that was just a great play by the Commanders. Uh, the Terry McLaurin one, that was cover two. Shaquille Griffin was not playing uh, very physical, kind of gave him a free release off the line. And and Andre Cisco didn't get over there quite quick enough. So you saw some coverage stuff there. But overall, throughout the game, it was pretty good, uh, other than those two big busts. Um, and even the tyson campbell one wasn't a bust it was just their guy made a play your guy didn't sometimes mm-hmm. that happens in in football right but uh and then week two the flip switched um you had your your defensive front with all the guys we've talked about plus arden key and dewan Smoot as those interior uh pass rushers on on clear pass rushing downs and even um Adam Gotsis, who's an unheralded player who came in and really dominated in just seven snaps last week, had three pressures a sack, did really incredible stuff. But uh, the biggest difference for me and schematically what they were doing from week one to week two was it was a lot more games, stunts, looping, all that stuff up front Mm -hmm. in week two. And it, it confused the Colts and it allowed Trayvon Walker and Josh Allen and guys like that who have that athleticism power, all that to really feast and then it forced Matt Ryan to get rid of the football a little bit early and you had the turnovers starting to pile up. You did force turnovers in both weeks though, you know. They're they're leading the league in turnover differential after only forcing 9 turnovers all of last year. So Jeez. a stark contrast to what you've seen here in the past. I do like what Mike Caldwell's doing on the back end um, overall I think you're seeing a lot of buried coverages. You're going to see cover two. You're going to see cover one. You're going to see some quarters. You're going to see some man. It's hard to get a grasp on what they're doing from play to play and down to down.
1: Yeah, sounds like a very similar approach to, at least from a cover standpoint, as the Chargers. And obviously, yeah. from an upfront perspective, if Corey Lindsay's not playing, I think Chargers fans can definitely expect a very similar game and stunt-heavy approach from the Jaguars with dealing with a backup center. Uh, so that's definitely something to keep an eye on um all right we always do a a victory formation segment on our show which is basically where the three of us uh outline kind of our 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 key to victory if you will um for you as uh as a jaguars um side of things here for the jaguars to get this victory on sunday what has to happen
2: justin herbert has to not play (laughs) No. Let's <laughs> pretend Justin Herbert is playing, right? Okay. Or not yeah, yeah. pretend, but let's assume he's playing. Um how healthy is he? We don't know. What is their offensive game plan? How does that How is that impacted by Justin Herbert's health? We don't really know. Um what do the Jaguars have to do to win this football game? I think that really they just need to a, not get high on themselves after a blowout victory against a divisional opponent. You're feeling good about yourself. You've got your new head coach. Everything's going really well. And I think Doug is going to do a good job to keep them reined in there. You've also got the obvious obstacle of traveling to the West Coast, mm-hmm. where the Jaguars, I believe, are They're 3-13 and all-time in the Pacific time zone. I don't think they've ever won against the Chargers on the road. Um, and then Doug Peterson. On the on the flip side of that, he has a winning record on the West Coast as a head coach. So mm. maybe that's a maybe that's a, a toss up, a, a wash. It doesn't really yeah. matter. Um, we'll see about how that works out if there's any like slow starts, anything like that. But I would say that the Jaguars need to do exactly what they did last week when they shut out the Colts, twenty four to nothing. Right? No, um, I do think the games up front are critical for this defensive line to get those guys moving and to get them attacking with a full head of steam. Um, And I think just playing disciplined football from a defensive standpoint is going to be critical. Um, Offensively, you know, they have to adjust to a new defense, right? They have to adjust to a defense that they don't know what they're getting pretty much every play. They have to identify where is Derwin James. They have to identify what coverages are we looking at. How do we beat that? If they're able to do that from a mental standpoint, I think they can handle the Chargers in terms of um, competing for 60 minutes in this football game. I, I, it's hard to say what they need to do beyond what they've done so far uh, because look at what the Chargers have struggled with so far, in my opinion. That's running the football and that's stopping the run. And I think the Jaguars have done a really good job on both of those fronts. So you're looking at strength on weakness. Um, We'll see. I think it's going to be really interesting. Uh, I'm fascinated to watch this football game. I I think it's a huge test for for both teams, really, at this point in the season.
1: Yeah, and obviously, if uh, Justin Herbert's not playing, then it's going to be an even bigger test. So um, sounds like he's going to try and play, but um, we'll see. Um, Another thing I was
2: curious about. Sorry.
1: Go ahead. I don't think
2: that Joe Lombardi is doing, because everyone's talking about this, right? I don't think that Joe Lombardi is doing a bad job calling this offense, designing this offense. But I also think that it forces you to just be consistent every single play. And I think part of what the Jaguars have done is if you make a little mistake here and there, they're going to capitalize on it defensively so far. Um, I'm really curious about the chess match between Joe Lombardi and, and Mike Caldwell on the defensive side of the ball for the Jaguars. I think that's going to be, that's going to be really interesting.
1: Yeah. I, I wrote about this for, uh, the LA football network and we've talked about it a lot on our show. It's not that Joe Lombardi, like you said, he's not a bad play designer. He's not a bad offensive coordinator. But they haven't done enough to take a next step. Everything that they're doing is is basically running the same stuff that they ran last year. And then you add in some injuries, of course, to Keenan Allen, to Donald Parham, to Corey Lindsley, and they're not playing Jalen Guyton at all. And he's their only speed threat. He's the only guy who can stretch the field vertically. So it's just all of these issues. They're all making it harder on themselves or on their offense to operate at a at a more explosive level. The only explosive plays they can get right now are jump ball to Mike Williams or Gerald Everett go make a play and break some tackles. That's that's it right now. Yeah. So they need to, to get your back power to, forward
2: down the field. I love yeah. that. He's he's incredible with those jump balls.
1: Yeah. He we love Mike Williams around here, but it makes things more difficult when. You know, you're you're just so limited with his route tree, and then you're not playing your speed threat. You don't have Keenan Allen. You don't have Donald Parham. These you are starting center. Like, there's just a lot of issues that are compounding that make Joe Lombardi's issues as a play caller that that much more accentuated to you know what people are watching on a week to week basis.
2: Yeah, they need Keenan Allen out there. I think.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. Well, I would be remiss here because. There's a lot of buzz right now around the Jacksonville Jaguars. There's not a lot of buzz around the other AFC South opponents. Yeah. Uh, How have your expectations changed for the Jaguars after two weeks uh, of watching your team do a lot of really good things and watching the other teams in the division do a lot of bad things?
2: Yeah. So I had them at seven and 10 this season, which is obviously just, just above what Vegas had as the over under at six, six and a half. Um, I, I would say, my expectations have changed in that I just did not expect everything to click on offense this quickly. I expected the defense to hold the fort down. Uh, Obviously you have Trevor Lawrence and Doug Peterson, which is a match made in heaven, but still I just wondered how quickly could things really look right? How quickly could this offensive game plan, play calling, all of it, how, how could it mesh together so quickly? So many new pieces, so many young pieces, establishing a new culture that's been the thing that's impressed me most and um and yeah i would say that they should be the favorites to win the afc south right now they're in first place uh the colts are reeling the titans are reeling the texans are who we thought they were a team that's going to compete but they're not going to win most of their games i I just i uh, I think the Titans and the the Colts could rebound. They are well coached, veteran football teams. Yeah, I don't know. It Doug Peterson's the best coach in the AFC South right now, and Trevor Lawrence is the best quarterback. So that that's kind of where I stand on it.
1: Yeah, I would. I think that's a, a very fair assessment. I I think I would trust the Colts more to rebound than I would the Titans. The Titans have just had. A lot of injuries that they're dealing with. You know, Taylor LeJuan is, is potentially out uh, for at least quite a while. Harold Landry's out for the year. They don't have A.J. Brown. So
2: right.
1: I I like Mike Vrabel a lot as a coach. I think he really gets the most out of his guys. But I just don't think he has the guys to do what he's done in the past. So I Right now, it
2: doesn't look like it. And Derrick Henry's not
1: looking he like look Derrick
2: Henry right now. mm hmm so.
1: so we'll see, man. I, I think if you're a Jaguars fan, you're obviously feeling great about where your team is at. Like you said, uh, head coach, quarterback, fully in sync. It's a great combination. Uh, as a casual fan, man, I, I think you, you should be pretty excited about uh, Trevor Lawrence being good because I think the more young quarterbacks are playing at a high level, the better for this league. I wish some of them were in the NFC, but that's another point uh, <laughs> that we could get to <laughs> later on. So, uh, Jordan, this has been great, man. Um, where can Chargers fans find you? if they want some uh, intel ahead of this game. And uh, it sounds like you're a draft nut like us. So uh, where can they find you, man? Yeah,
2: jinjag.com is where everything's located. You can go check out all our YouTube videos, which that's also the YouTube channel is just jinjag. So you can check out some of that if you want to get some even more detail behind the scenes stuff on what's going on with the Jaguars. But you can follow me at Jordan Delugo on Twitter. And again, just check out jinjag.com or the Jinjag YouTube channel and uh yeah we'll definitely be hopefully not talking about the draft from a jaguar <laughs> standpoint too much uh during the season this year
1: i know we did that uh we did that in 2019 man where it was like in november and we're like all right let's move on to the draft <laughs> it's just yep. not fun yeah. so uh well jordan i appreciate the time man look forward to uh seeing your coverage of this game throughout the rest of the week and uh Hopefully outside of Sunday the Jaguars can uh, have some good successes here.
2: Likewise, I'm pulling for y'all. I'm a big Justin Herbert fan. I actually I was low on him in the draft and I regret mm. it and I've learned from it and I'm just such a big fan of, you know, how unique he is as a as a leader and as a quarterback and his skill set and I'm excited for Brandon Staley as well. I, I like a lot of what's going on in LA
1: yeah well we appreciate that man and uh like i said we'll be in touch down the road
2: yep have a good one thank you i'm mark chapman welcome to the planet premier league podcast